Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. We're joined today by our good friend, Bethany, from the Star Wars Report. Bethany, welcome back to the show. Hey, hey, thanks for having me back on, and I am doubly excited for Star Wars tonight, because we're talking Rebels, but also Rogue One is in a few days! Ah! Yes! Oh, I cannot wait. Rogue One's gonna be awesome. Uh, And... And, uh, and, you know, and this episode of Rebels was fantastic. It's like a great week to be a Star Wars fan. Such a great week. Okay, William, oh, yeah. hang on. Is there ever a week that is not great to be a Star Wars fan? Uh, yeah, it varies, but mostly it's great. But this is especially great. Right? I have to agree with William. It will vary. But, yes, this is a great week to be a Star Wars fan. Well, William, as you said, this week we're talking about the mid-season finale of Rebels titled Visions and Voices. So, with that, who wants to give us the episode rundown? Um, hey, William, why don't you do it tonight? Sure, Tom. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is Season 3, Episode 11, Visions and Voices. It was written by Brent Friedman and directed by Bosco Ng. And uh, in this episode, haunted by visions of Maul, Ezra must journey across the galaxy to engage in a strange ritual to sever his connection with the former Dark Lord. So... Uh, this was, a, I would say a fairly eventful episode. Uh, and, and yet in some ways kind of not, and and I don't mean that as a knock against the episode, right? I feel like, um, uh, it was, uh, it was definitely a a great episode all around. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, and we'll get, I think we'll get into this later, but I feel like we kind of, we didn't, it made progress uh, in the the search for what I think is is Obi Wan, right? Uh, now Maul and Ezra each learned what they actually wanted to learn the first time around, and in, in uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, and so now we'll be able to make progress on that. Um, but uh, it was it was it was a fun it was a fun episode for sure, and uh, there was a, a lot of really great moments, especially if you've been a a Star Wars fan for. Or watching the Clone Wars or whatnot for a long, long time. Um, that is the one thing about this episode that I appreciated. There's more things that are. I, I appreciate the episode because we got to see Dothamir again. Okay, we got to see mm-hmm. a little bit of the Night Sisters again. So uh-huh. I like how they are calling back to the Clone Wars, and they're kind of letting it live on and kind of reinforce that the Clone Wars still matter that show while bringing it into this universe. Because also, and I really don't want to skip around, but there is one thing that kind of bothered me in this. The painting that was on Dothamir, that was Satine, right? Like I said, I don't uh, yeah, want to sure. jump. It was. It was definitely Satine. Okay. Um, and uh, I think we'll, we'll talk about that more. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about that later, but I, I wanted to get that, that was, out. Uh, that, that was like, I know that face. Yep. Yeah. No. That 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 was really fun. But I think that the episode starts off with uh, the rebels on Atalon and or Adalon. Sorry. I think that's actually this is one of the few they don't. I've noticed they don't seem to say the name Adalon or Chopper Base very often. True, but they did say uh, it to, in the they show. Did say it in this but they did say both in the show today. Yep. And, and actually, I want I want to ask. Um, uh, I forgot. I'll, th- I'll throw this to you, Bethany, first. Um, when I watched the. Uh, when I've been watching the season, I, I kind of thought that Chopper Base was just the the name for the episode, and that uh, like, oh, Chopper helped find the base, and we're just gonna call it Chopper Base, and that it actually wasn't called like literally Chopper Base, uh, but that's what Ezra refers to it in this episode. I think for the first time ever in the show, uh, did you expect it to actually be called Chopper Base? Or... I did not. I I was just like, wait, what? Huh? Yeah. That's been yeah, forever cause... since I heard that. Yeah, so it, it, it actually it kind of took me out for it. a second yeah. where I was just like, um, when was this even last called this? Yeah, well, they don't they never really I mean, we see the planet almost every episode now, but it's very rare that we they actually, uh, you know, refer to it by name. And so I was I was surprised 
that they called it that. But it, it was kind of it was kind of fun to see. Uh, Tom or Steven, you guys have any thoughts on the the planet name? <laughs> Honestly, it's not something that even caught my attention. Really? Okay. <laughs> I've always, I I've feel kind of bad. That was, that was, I've always hesitated to call it Chopper Base, and I was just, we was always call it Adalon or, or I'm sorry, Atalon, as I, as I realized uh, it's, it's pronounced. Um, I've always called it that, but I guess now we can call it Chopper Base. <laughs> Seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, but we get a definitely a very creepy beginning because you know it starts off right where basically the last episode ended right where they're preparing to strike the Imperial factory on Lothal and uh, cause, you know, they, they escape the factory and they're getting ready to strike it. And uh, Hera's giving uh, the, the mission briefing and all of a sudden Ezra starts seeing like hearing things. Uh, and then all of a sudden he sees like visions of Maul walking around the base and just starts going completely crazy. Completely crazy. To be fair, William, if you saw Maul walk around your house, I feel like you'd probably also go crazy. Oh, yeah, totally. But it was like very it was like a creepy um, uh, scene for sure, because like everyone else is acting totally normal. And, and Ezra's just going like, yeah, nuts. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Going completely nuts. Um, what Tom, surprised me uh, was that Kanan, Kanan couldn't sense it. Or, yeah. or didn't. I mean, he sensed, of course, that Ezra was struggling, but he couldn't sense the presence of Maul. And that was what immediately caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Which means it's not a force ghost, right? It, it's something there's it, it's definitely this this connection between the two of them uh, and, and not something else. Yeah, um, which is really, really fascinating. And you know, eventually he, he just completely faints uh, Ezra and just passes out because um, it's, I guess, too much to handle or, or, or something. Um, but uh, I, I'm curious, like we, we've talked in the past about Ezra and uh, being in, you know, leading different missions and stuff. Uh, why do you think Hera put it was going to put Ezra in charge of the the strike on the Imperial factory. Might uh, be just because he's been there before. It was on I mean, his own planet of Lethal. True. Well, I'm thinking like Kanan and Ezra were the ones who were inside the the base last time on Lethal, and I don't. I mean, we don't really know how Kanan's blindness is affecting him, but he may not be. He may be okay, you know, in a. Uh, I'm gonna say close confines you know, when it's just him, but he may not actually be in a place where he can actually lead an entire battle. I mean, maybe he can't sense that's too much for him to process. Anyway, that's the only yeah. thing I can come up with, really. Maybe just a growing experience for Ezra to make sure that he can get some kind, some more command under his belt. I don't know. I mean, she could have done the same thing in the last episode, but she put Zeb in charge of that one. Um, I mean, he's he's got to learn how to take command at some point. That could have been yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, I feel like the tone of the episode, and I know this is a little later in the episode, or no, excuse me, in an earlier episode where Hera and Kanan have this conversation about Ezra needs to learn for himself that he can't trust um, Hondo. And because let's face it, Ezra's a bit stubborn. So sometimes he has to make some mistakes and learn from them. And I think this is one. Yeah. And I think this is one in which because Maul is involved, it was the same thing with Hondo. He's got to learn how to, okay, manage his expectations of who he's working with. And when it came to Maul, okay, I think in this episode, I'm hoping when it gets toward the end, we kind of see that he is definitely fighting Maul in that respects of being his apprentice because Maul kept pressing him, apprentice, 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 you know, my apprentice. And then it got to a certain point toward the end where you could just tell, I think Maul's given up on that whole respect. He's not going to keep going for the apprentice thing anymore when it comes to uh, Ezra. Well, and uh, Ezra made it pretty clear this episode that he wasn't interested, but it's, I don't know. It's very interesting to see how the relationship has progressed from when Maul was first introduced last season uh, to where he is today. Yeah. Well, Ezra's not interested because he's jaded. 
and Maul has shown him that he's not to be trusted, but Ezra is still kind of fascinated by Maul, I think. Okay, there's an... Finish, finish. Sorry. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's almost like this intrigue of um, there's a connection there, and it's more than just that, than it's than just a force connection. Mm-hmm. But if he's getting yeah. so jaded with Maul, why hasn't he become jaded with Hondo? I know Hondo. Well, I think I think he finally learned his lesson lesson with Hondo last episode. Okay, Maul has also never been very uh, subtle about his betrayals. That's very true. He just kind of does his thing. I would say. Well, he just Hondo at least pretends it. to be friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think so. I think in this episode, when it comes to Maul, I mean, his betrayal was flat out right there when they did the potion thing, and and he could just like well. Now they've got to pay their dues. You know, we took the potion, yeah. the Night Sisters. Now we have to pay the Piper. So he was flat out right there, just like you know what? It wasn't subtle at all. He he mm-hmm. tricked him. Period. Yeah. Um, going back to the kind of beginning of the episode, though, I really like the scene with AP Five Chopper and Sabine as they're kind of loading proton torpedoes up. You know, we saw AP Five. What was it? A couple of episodes ago, mm-hmm. um, during the uh, it was which, a transport. What episode line. was that? It was the one with the transport. Yeah, line. with uh, Rex, right? Or I think of a different episode. No, sorry, you know, AP AP five. Uh, he was uh, it was he, with he was Rebel earlier transport. in the season. Uh, shoot. Um. Uh, yeah. No, this is when they. Yeah. Yeah, the Wayne Kithu yeah, job yeah. wasn't it? Okay. No, no, no. He was AP five was much one? earlier than that. AP five was much earlier. Uh, I, it, it'll it'll come to me. It was um, I think I think pretty early in the in in this season or or last season. Uh, it's when uh, he and they, they invaded the Imperial base and he helped the the rebels escape. Um, anyway, hey, uh, I, I really like AP 5s character, and I was I like even when he's especially I should say especially in these kind of little. Uh, what's the word? Little um, dots. I'm small. No, forgotten. Uh, I think it was, the, it was the forgotten droid. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, from episode 19 of last from last season. No, um, I'm thinking. I was thinking. What was the episode he was last in? It was when. Oh, Cather, last in when Cather job. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. Lone Cather job. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about his origin episode. No, no, sorry. But I, I, I like these small bits of a, of Chopper and AP5. Mm-hmm. It just works very, very well. It, it's a different kind of dynamic, like R2D2 and C3PO, mm-hmm. and it works. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so there's you've got R two D two and C three PO, and I like this isn't like the evil twin version of them, but it's it's close, I guess. Cynical? Not cynical. Um, oh, I'm trying. To I don't know. I, I'm yeah. blanking on what the uh, the I, right I, description is, but it's Chopper probably should have a blue paint job and a goatee. You know, <laughs> <laughs> actually, probably that's the wrong uh, mirror university describe, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> but I mean things get. Uh, I I totally agree. AP five and Chopper are a great great pair. Mm-hmm. Um, but things get even even crazier later on, where uh, you know I mean Ezra all of a sudden starts seeing Maul running through you know running around Chopper base and he actually chases him down, uh, jumps on Maul like force pushes him back, and is about to kill him, strike him down with a lightsaber. When all of a sudden, you know, Kanan basically has to like use the force to stop him from bringing his lightsaber down. And when Ezra comes to his senses, he realizes that's not Maul. Mm-hmm. That's a rebel trooper. Which Can is a really like rebel you know, trooper. Like, yeah, well, think about the rebel trooper. Like, because he's like, you're crazy, Jedi. Yeah, you're like, crazy guy. You wouldn't really I mean. trust those guys. But more importantly, like, how would you feel about as Ezra as well, knowing that you almost like killed one of your allies mm-hmm. thinking he was your enemy, like you wouldn't even like trust yourself anymore. Yeah. You know, like when you're in battle, like would you even trust yourself to, um, to know, you know, basically right from wrong now? I don't, I don't know. Well, on top well, of that, and this is, this is ahead. one of the things that I just love about star Wars storytelling in general is that this is 22 minutes. You know, I, I mean, it's a 30 minute time block, but it's 22 minutes when you, when you count in all of the commercials, uh, for television 
And in 22 minutes, I mean, you could simply talk about that dynamic for 22 minutes. There's a reason why Ezra has grown darker, and it's not just the uh, the holocrons. And there's there's a reason for his desire to trust Hondo, for his previous desire to trust in Maul. He's trying to seek for a reason to be less cynical about everybody besides the ghost crew. And I, I mean, he's he's losing that. I, I still think that there's a deeper storytelling uh, meaning here. And that isn't just that, oh, he thought he saw Maul and attacked somebody and now he's sorry for it. But that's going to linger. It's going to linger whether or not we have time to explore that in the actual television show itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's going to mess with him. And Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm really curious to see, like, what's the fallout from this? Does he know that it's Maul and now that they've severed the connection? It's no big deal anymore? Or is it going to be something that continues to crop up in the in the back of his mind for, you know, in the future? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Uh, it's very it's fascinating, though. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I still, it, this is why I love Star Wars so much and why I love the prequels so much uh, with Anakin is that you have a limited amount of time to tell the story and to talk about these characters, but you leave room for these off-screen events or even on-screen events to affect characters in ways that the audience can consider and that does shape the character, but we can't see every single one of those moments. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, yeah. I totally agree. Um, so uh, Hera actually offers to postpone the mission, uh, but instead, uh, Kanan says, "No, no, no. You go on ahead, and he'll watch over Ezra." And so you know, she she flies away in, in the ghost. I, I'm curious. Like at the end of the last episode. Um, we knew they were almost all ready to attack. They just had to get some news out of the out of the ship, or out of the, out of the the factory. And then at the beginning of this one, like they're all they're all set to attack, and and they're they're ready to go. Um, but the episode we see kind of we we see this what happens with Kanan and and Ezra, right, and, and Maul. Do you think we'll? How long do you think we'll have to wait to see this battle at the factory? Are they just going to completely not show it to us? Will we will we see it? Well, this is this is the, the factory on the fall, right? Yeah, that's appearance. And, the, and well. we know in the next episode. Do we know what the next episode is? I realize that's jumping ahead. Yeah, uh, Ghosts of Geonosis. Yeah, the, so that is the next episode, which does not sound like uh, the attack on Lothal mm-hmm. at all, at all. Yeah. Um, and... Also, another callback to perhaps the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's possible the episode after that, you know, three episodes from now, um, which I believe is called a warhead. Uh, that one might be uh, the actual battle uh, that we're going to miss the the battle. But it's it's fascinating. That they'll make us wait that long to find out something that I pr- presume is now happening concurrently. Well, right. unless maybe the next episode starts with the battle of Lothal, and they, it's like, oh. The Imperials have moved the factory. It's on Geonosis now, and then they have to go and find it or something like that. It'd be kind of a they moved the whole factory. Yeah, I don't know. Well, but, I'm just I'm throwing out ideas here. Well, you're throwing out you're throwing out a possible logic because they supposedly have seen in the trailer there is a ship that does from the from the back end look like the Ghost. So, if they're supposed to tie these next two episodes into Rogue One. That could be the case. They could start that battle on the fall and then get called away to go to this battle. Uh, you know, I don't think we're that. Cl- we're not that. Cl- sorry, sorry. I, I don't think we're that. Uh, sorry. Are you saying like get, get called away to? Yes, to help with that battle. But because we're not quite at the Rogue One time frame yet. Okay, but then that's the thing. Well, where are we compared to Rogue One right now? I think Do we're we still know? a few years, a few years early. Okay, interesting. Then, then that's a question that's got to be asked. I, I understand that the next two oh. episodes after this are going to somehow tie into rogue one but does oh, this series ooh. need to literally tie into rogue one what if it ties into rogue one catalyst 
That would make more sense. How so? Well, we know there's a good portion of Catalyst that actually takes place at Rogue One. Uh, or sorry, at Rogue One. At Geonosis, spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, could I'm wondering if maybe we could see, like, maybe part of Poggle's escape is actually orchestrated by the Rebels or something like that. Uh. Also, again, when it comes to Catalyst, uh. Haas could somehow play, that could be a tie-in as well into this. You know, no, because, sorry, sorry. Well, uh, uh, Poggle's, is, sorry, uh, no, you, you're... I'm sorry, I'm not saying... Uh, sorry, I, 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 sorry for interrupting. That's okay. Uh, I'm trying to like, collect my thoughts. Um, feel free to continue, uh, and then I'll mention my point. Um, I, I, think, I think that's probably the... If you're looking at a Catalyst tie-in, that would be... That might be the logical step, because remember, Haas was delivering those planet... Uh, delivering, quote-unquote, illegal weapons to legacy planets. So... Mm-hmm. Who's to say that somehow, if they want to tie Rebels into that, that could be a way he gets some of these weapons or however they're smuggled in? Interesting idea. I don't think they can, though. You know uh, what? And, and, and that's because Grasping at straws. Uh, Rogue One Catalyst takes place, what, 10 plus years before, um, uh, before uh, Rogue One mm-hmm. and eight plus years, nine, seven plus years before Rebels. So... The timelines just don't match. Then, then that no, that... but part of Catalyst takes place pretty close to Rogue One. I thought, right? Oh no, sorry. Right. No, I'm no, no, no. It ends like two or three years after the end of the Clone Wars. You are totally right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Never mind. My ignore my theory. I think it ends about <laughs> what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So okay, but no, it's it's all great theories. I I, mean, I like I like the I like the idea that, and I think I think there will be a Rogue Rogue One tie-in of some sort. I don't think it'll be super overt. Uh, I think it'll be something more like, you know, we saw. Um, uh, I, I think it'll be a, a little bit more loosely connected. So in, um, I think we were talking about this in our review of Catalyst, but uh, we see a Genosis in um, uh, in the Honorable Ones uh, mm-hmm. at the end of uh, last season of Rebels, and there's no sign of life on Genosis, right? right? But we know that the Genosians were used to build the Death Star. So, um, you know, maybe they go back to Genosis now and actually find out what happened there and maybe find pieces of the Death Star, remnants of the factory that built the Death Star or Mm. something like that. And that's why I think ghosts of Genosis, like it's the, uh, you know, they they learn learn what happened like the, the it's like the ghosts of not like literal ghosts but the the remnants of the genotians um, i don't know i that's i'm gonna put my money i'm gonna put my money down on the scooby-doo episode of rebels they're all gonna get there zeb will be scooby and you just <laughs> they all have to split up and go and investigate and it turns out it's just palpatine in a mask that's my bet anyway uh, we should talk more about the actual episode of Rebels. <laughs> instead yeah, I think of, we why should. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> I know. Uh, um, so I have to say, one of my, I don't know if I called it my favorite. One of those moments I was like, thank you. I loved that at Kanan's urging, Sabine puts a tracker on Ezra. Just yes. like, you know what? Yes. We've gone through enough stuff in previous episodes or in the past. Can we let just. Ezra's going to go do something crazy. Just stick a tracker on. We'll just that solves everything. Now we never actually see her do that. Um, I don't really know like how it's on on his person. I'm, I'm assuming it's on him and not the ship because he takes small ship. But um, isn't it on his wrist communicator? Oh, maybe. maybe yeah, that's that, that's what he throws at Sabine. Was like uh, Ezra's wrist the communicator. Tracker? Yeah, yeah, the tracker's yeah, placed yeah. there. Ah, uh, you're right. Okay, thank, thank you. Yeah, nice. no problem. Good reminder. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's totally spark. Cause like Ezra gets into enough trouble, especially when he's going crazy. Um, Never happens. Yeah, yeah. But but they try to they try to save him from going too crazy by uh, visiting Bendu, and you know, and they basically they they go talk to him about uh, the holocrons. They tell him you know that he's seeing visions and. And he you know, reiterates, oh, I warned you about how dangerous the holocrons would be. Um, and uh, and this is where we get the the, the part that uh, um, we knew from uh, at the at the end of uh, the holocrons of fate. 
Maul got what Ezra wanted, and Ezra saw what Maul wanted. That's uh, interesting. I so, that's not how I took that though. Really? Well, because I remember. I'm again. It's been a while since I've seen. I've watched Holocrons of Fate, but mm-hmm. Ezra, I thought, saw the twin sons, and um, he. I mean, I thought Ezra was clued into Luke. Which is the way to defeat the Sith, which is what he was looking for. He saw the twin sons. He mm-hmm. saw a way to defeat the Sith, but he didn't know until this point about Obi-Wan. I don't think Ezra's put the two and two together that right. the way to destroy the Sith technically is Luke. He only saw the twin sons, and, and I hate to say it again, a way to destroy the Sith and Obi-Wan Kenobi. He doesn't know how to destroy right, right, the Sith. Right. Right, but my point more was that Ezra asked for a way to destroy the Sith, right. saw Luke, and Maul asked for, you know, his greatest enemy or something like that and saw Obi-Wan. Right. But Bendu here is saying they saw each other's visions, which is not what I, like, I, that's the part I was kind of confused by. Right. I mean, we, so Maul does say he's alive. Right. And starts cackling. Um, at the end of um, at the end of Holocrons of Fate, so he knows that he knows that Kenobi is alive. Right. Well, he doesn't know is where Kenobi is, right? Uh, and conversely, uh, Ezra saw uh, the twin sons, but he didn't. She he did not see Kenobi. So he what he's looking for is Kenobi and Luke. He just saw Tatooine. Right. And and that's why I think what they. Yeah, I, I agree. It was like my one, my one, my one complaint about this episode really was just that um, I felt like we were getting more information. The whole point of this episode was to get information that I thought everyone had had almost all of in the holograms of fate. Um, uh, which was like, so I was like, oh, do we really need to like go back over this? I thought they had most of the information. Um, but I guess in this case, like they just by by joining their minds together. Uh, Ezra, instead of, I guess, just talking, uh, Ezra is able to see uh, Obi-Wan, and that's when he recognizes Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Maul is able to see the, tw- the ta- Tatooine and, and recognize Tatooine with the twin sons. But from the sound of it, 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 at least the way that I took it from Sabine, they only know of a planet with twin sons. And she's like, well, that narrows it down. That's correct. Right. Which I, I actually enjoyed that, that they did that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the, the fact that, uh, you know, th- it's not quite so easy. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, I'm very curious to see, like, where they go from here. Right. Because uh, now Maul knows. So in the episode, <clears throat> I mean, it, it says uh, Maul says, where is he? And Ezra says, I want to know how to destroy the Sith. Maul, I see. I understand. Ezra, who is it? I know him. Right, so he's starting to realize who it is. And then Maul says, this is the big one. Of course, it ends where it begins, a desert planet with twin sons. Mm-hmm. And that's when Ezra says he's alive. I can't believe he's alive because he recognized Obi-Wan from the the hologram from... Um, oh, Kanan's uh, holocron. Way back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from way back. So that's Ezra recognized Obi-Wan. Um, and Maul sees twin the twin sons and mm-hmm. knows it's... You know, he 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 knows because he's been there before. He knows that it's he said where it began, right? It ends where it began. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this line because you know the first time we see uh, Maul encounter the Jedi, it's with Qui Gon Jinn on Tatooine in the Phantom Menace, and so right. there's a nice symmetry there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm curious to see what you think here. Oh, for whoever thinks specifically you, Bethany. Um, what do you think like the rest of the season is going to be then if if uh, if Maul already knows that Obi Wan is on Tatooine, wouldn't he just go straight to Tatooine and start looking? I would. Uh, ex- it seemed to be doing just that. But but Ezra and Kanan don't know where Maul is going. They don't know what the um, what they're trying oh. to do, right? And and Maul, uh, sorry, and Kanan ex- very very clearly says at the end of the episode um, that uh, you know they. Um, that they need to find him. They mm-hmm. need to find Obi-Wan before Maul does. So how could they possibly do that if, if Maul knows who he's looking for and, and where, where he it is? started? So it ends where it one, started. Well, sorry, go ahead, Bethany. I'll yeah, go, go ahead. after. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I mean, Ezra has the exact same information that Maul has mm-hmm. because he said that we don't know where the planet is. We saw that it had twin suns or something along those lines. Uh, and they're like, wait, well, that's not actually that great of an identifier for a planet, desert planet with t- twin suns. Also, it didn't help that Darth Maul was literally speaking out loud what he saw for those <laughs> yeah. of us that couldn't see the vision, a.k.a. all of the viewers. So even if Ezra wasn't seeing everything that Maul saw, he clearly heard Maul, I think. So I, I think Maul I might he... be more single-focused in his dedication mm-hmm. to find Obi-Wan, but uh, Ezra has an entire team and the Rebellion at his back to try to find obi-wan as well even if it's not their only mission but i I guess that that could swallow up a bit of the plot Mm -hmm. uh which frankly i'm fine with because the search for tatooine basically yeah 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 one of the so one of the things i liked is you know william kind of alluded to this you know twin sons that doesn't really help i really like this idea that that is not something that's special in the star wars galaxy like Mm -hmm. Uh, to, to the viewer, for us, it's of course obvious. There's only one important Star Wars planet that has twin suns like that. But to them, there's tons of them. Right. And I, I kind of expect we'll see the same thing with for Maul, because even if Maul goes straight to Tatooine, Tatooine's a big planet. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, Obi Wan's not hiding in like Mos Eisley. He's out That's in the middle of nowhere. A, yeah. Okay. And I, I kind of expect we'll f- discover that. One, Obi-Wan's already in hiding, which makes him hard, difficult to find. And Maul's got the entire plan to search, and it's going to take him forever to actually make any progress there. Mm. And, and I wonder if we'll run into Jabba the Hutt as well. Yeah, oh, that would be fun. So you think, you think we'll see the bulk of Maul's search will be on Tatooine looking for Obi-Wan, while the bulk of Ezra and Kanan's search is just narrowing down the plan Exactly. Yes. That's kind of what I expect to happen. That's the only thing I can think makes sense because uh, Maul knows he has to know his tattooing because he says it ends where it begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, right? so I think he has to know. Now, there, there's something Ezra does. I, I know we're skipping around. We're talking about the end with Maul and and Ezra and the Vision and all that, but there's something that I want to bring up. And I'm going to backtrack a bit. When Ezra and Kanan go to visit Bindu, mm-hmm. okay. Do you think Maul saw Bindu? Because, you know, here you've got the two, you, Kanan and Ezra going to Bindu, and it's like, what do you want? And Ezra says, you know, I want to stop seeing Maul. I love the line from Bindu, then don't turn around, and there's Maul. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when they turn back around, Kanan and Ezra turn back around, Bindu's gone. But there was no mention of, of Maul at all. Who were you talking to? Who was that? Anything like that. It was just like nonchalant, all of a sudden talking to, you know, Ezra and Kanan and almost blackmailing them saying, you know, if you were to strike me down, I planted a homing beacon here that will send it straight to the Empire and they'll come and find your base. Mm-hmm. But hmm. did Maul see Bindu? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Interesting. Yeah. That was not what I took from it, but that's... Yeah. I, I took that Maul actually went there for Bindu and I I realized after a minute or so that no he had learned the location of uh, the base Right. but the fact that he showed up right at Bindu and not specifically right at the base Mm -hmm. and the fact that Kanan and Ezra didn't sense him shows me that I think something drew him there and I think it was Bindu's presence Mm -hmm. or or it could be purely um, you know he uh, I, I, I would assume that Atalan is a, it's a fairly desolate planet. There's not a lot going on. There's mm-hmm. probably Chopper Base and like Bendu's hideout, and that's about it, right? Probably. Um, and uh, and in uh, in I think it was was it Rebels Recon or something, it, or the episode guide describes how, uh, you know, Maul knew the location of Chopper Base, or sorry, no, it's actually in the episode itself. Maul knew the location of Chopper Base because his mind was linked with Ezra's and he got fragments of Ezra's mind that weren't yep. just about the holocrons. So he saw chopper base and the location of chopper base in, in when, when their minds were linked, which is actually kind of scary. Like what else does Maul know about them? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Little, little, little concerning there, but, 
How, how so about a lot? Yeah, a lot, a lot concerning. concerning. Very concerning. <laughs> and, and he knows a lot, right. Uh, and so I think what Maul probably did is he just, he went straight to, if you probably, he could have gone straight to the base and then not seeing them there, just gone to the second and probably only other place on the planet where they would realistically be, and that's Bendu. The fact that they happen to be there is a coincidence. Um, but I'm very curious, yeah, Bendu is a, He's an interesting beast. It, he's interesting because it seems like he, stra- he straddles both. Because I may have brought up earlier when, when he first showed up, you know, if Maul were to go to him, since it seems like Bindu is between the two, between the Sith, between the Jedi, he's the one in the middle because he says, I'm the one in the middle, I'm Bindu. Would he be giving the same type of information to Maul? as he would give to Kanan and Ezra since he's right in the middle. He's not going to play the sides. And that's why I asked, did Maul see him? Because the impression I got, he didn't because he never reacted. Hmm. And Bindu, Bindu was gone. I mean, Bindu was just like that quick. So that, uh, that begs the question, what is Bindu? And like, why can he only be seen by certain people? I've seen online, Unfortunately, I don't remember who this was, so I can't really attribute it correctly. But uh, I've seen thoughts around like, well, is um, is Bendu uh, is he able to like take other forms or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he's the um, the the TB not the TBDs the um, uh, like the other names the owls the owl like creatures. Oh, uh, oh! I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the ones that the one that appeared oh, after the convors. Convors, yeah. thank you. The convories. Uh, you know, there's like, there's all those kinds of questions. Um, I don't know. I I hope I hope that we actually get answers about Bendu and just and not just like leave it a complete mystery. Mm-hmm. I think you might be disappointed if I had to guess. I have a feeling we may not get much more uh, explanation for that, unfortunately. Well, even if we don't get like explanation about why he is what he is, just like explain a bit more about like, oh, he's this mysterious creature that can, I don't know, not be seen by everybody or change forms or. Yeah, but when I when I think about all the open questions Rebels is now set up in the first half of its season. <laughs> probably uh, the least of the... Yeah, Bendu is at the bottom of my list, unfortunately. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky. Well, we'll see what happens. We still have a uh, half a season left. We'll see. Yeah. But, sure. uh, but Maul offers a trade, right? As we talked about. And despite Kanan's reservations, he agrees to let, uh, to let Ezra fly off with Maul, which sounds like a absolutely horrible idea. Um, you know, let's, let's let, uh, let's let the, uh, easily, um, Easily manipulated, easily, swayed, easily manipulated, easily swayed apprentice fly off with the very evil and uh, um, the, the, the evil former Sith Lord. That's, that's a great idea. But I'm sure nothing could go wrong. But even if Ezra did, did go with him, why didn't Kanan? Well, I think I thought it was implicit in Maul's offer that it's Ezra, his apprentice only. Yes, mm-hmm. I did like how he called him that, too. He still called him his apprentice. Uh, which was which was a nice touch. Um, thankfully, Kanan's not completely stupid, so you know he quickly follows uh, follows Ezra in the um, don't say uh, in the Phantom, Phantom 2. Two. Yeah, just yeah. don't say the other one. What Sheathapeed? No, <laughs> I laid you in on that one, didn't I? Yeah, you I did. Set I set you up on that. Would not even remember that one if uh, I almost forgot. It's all your fault. Um, Sheathapeed. Oh jeez. Um, but that takes us to a planet we're all very familiar with, uh, which it's hard. I was just thinking back on this. It was first introduced six years ago. Uh, that's hard. Actually, to six years ago, this weekend was the first screening for that arc in the Clone Wars. That's the uh, the Night Sisters oh, wow. arc. Wow. Uh, on wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so we actually get to go to Dathomir. Uh, Tom, what did you think of the return to Dathomir in this episode? I liked it. Like I said, um, like, like I may have mentioned, I like how they are 
really bringing a lot of the Clone Wars stuff. And I kind of see this as paying homage to the Clone Wars by having stuff like this happen. Like, remember uh, when you had Rex battle the old battle droids and he says, one last day for the Grand Army of the Republic. So it's really nice to see things called forward in time. And, and it was still creepy. It was still the Dathomir we knew. There was just nobody there. Um, even the, mm-hmm. the specters that were there were creepy. And even the collection of stuff that Maul had was creepy. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually we should we should dive into that a little bit, right? Because we've we've got um uh he has a, a large collection of, of junk uh here. He which is basically artifacts from his past. Right? We've got Mother Talzin's crystal ball, a battle droid helmet, uh, a night sister bow, writing on the wall that spells Kenobi and ancient Sith. I was wondering what that said. Yeah, it spells Kenobi, just kind of to reiterate his obsession with with him. Uh, A dark saber. Pretty cool that there's a dark saber. And of course, the painting, the aforementioned painting of Sabine with her eyes and neck scratched out, which is very creepy. Uh, Very creepy. And actually, when we we see the uh, the painting for the first time, we get a few notes of Sabine, uh, sorry, Sabine, Satine's theme uh, as well. Um, but it's it's weird. Like he Maul killed Satine, so it's, it's fascinating that he keeps a, a picture of her around, probably to remind him of how much he hates Obi Wan. Um, any, any thoughts on his uh, his lair? I guess his lair, the Night Sisters area, and Dathomir in general, it just seems like a planet that has been infected by dark magic or the dark side. And as though, even though the Night Sisters' spirits might be limited to one area, as though that whole place is so infected that even regular non Force users just stay away from it. Yeah. And I I wonder how much it's affected Maul. Like, you're talking about his creepiness and the stuff that he's collected and the sort of um, sateen shrine slash having her eyes scratched out in that picture. Like, how how not crazy or how crazy might Maul be at this point? Oh, he is very, very crazy, I think. Very. That's what I loved about that room. It It was a... a monument to everything that Maul has gone through yeah. in all the worst ways. Uh-huh. From from the dark saber to Satine to really everything. Um, why don't you think he uses the dark saber anymore? Because he he still has it, right? But he doesn't ever wield it. Is it because he's no longer leading the Mandalorians? I don't know. That's uh. I feel like it's a trophy to him, but yeah, yeah. no, that's a really, it's a very good question. And it's possible he doesn't feel worthy of wielding it anymore now that he's no longer uh, Mandalore. Uh, do you so. think it? Do you think it's a worthy thing, or it's more of a? Because remember, when Ezra is going to grab it, he said, "Don't touch that." More of a <laughs> prize or a relic? Not that he's not worthy of it. But it's just one of the things that's in his well, possession. Yeah, yeah maybe not like, worthy, but like, yeah, he he was Mandalore when he was Mandalore. He wielded it. Now that he's not Mandalore. He just kind of set it aside. It's like, okay, it's not my right. It's not my thing. Anymore. It's not my right to to which which I would probably in this case say, yeah, since I'm not Mandalore anymore, it's not my right to wield it anymore. Yeah. But you know, it's still a thing where it's like he still has some kind of pride to it because he tells Ezra, "Don't even touch it." Yeah, and he did say, if you want to know more about it. Talk to your man in so many words. Talk to your Mandalorian friend, and she can fill you in. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Um, Bethany, I, I, I'm curious. Uh, it, for someone, you know, who who might be watching Rebels for the first time, how do you think they would? Uh, what do you think their impression of of this episode, specifically, specifically the whole Night Sisters arc, would be? Uh, I mean, if they haven't seen the Clone Wars previously. 
Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, because like Maul comes in and he explains, right? I mean, th- this is a location we've it's played a you know pivotal role in the in the Clone Wars. We've seen it in many Clone Wars episodes, and so it's really cool to see the Rebels version. Um, and Maul has to like do a little bit of explaining about who the Nestors were for people who may not be familiar with them. So you know, talking about how they're witches and a threat to the Empire. Like I said, I know you can relate. And he explains that they're they kind of use the an aspect of the Force, but they're not strictly part of the Force. Uh, and the death of mirrors made them powerful. Um, yeah. Any any thoughts on uh, what a, a new uh, viewer might be thinking? I think a new viewer would be very intrigued, but a bit confused or left in the dark, uh, left in the night, perhaps, uh, about who they actually are. Like uh, those few lines are not at all enough to know what Night Sisters are or what Dathomir is, their Maul's history and background, and so I feel like there's so much there, and people who haven't seen the Clone Wars uh, or haven't read any books connecting with those backstories uh, are only catching like ten percent of the depth. So the rest of us are diving deep with our scuba equipment into this mm-hmm. uh, new aspect of Star Wars, and they're they're just kind of skim along on the surface of like, ooh, this is a cool idea. Hmm, what do they mean of only like an aspect of the Force? Uh, I don't understand that. Who are these weird green witch people? I think they'd be intrigued, but feeling maybe a little bit lost. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in this case, it would probably they would have to go back and watch the Clone Wars to see all of that, or to get an idea of it. They would have to read um, the book um, uh, Dark Apprentice to get right. any kind of you know inkling of what a Night Sister is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because otherwise they would have uh, really, really no clue. Yeah. Um, this is uh, you know, Mullen actually. I did enjoy how Sabine actually uh, makes a comment about how trusting of Maul uh, Ezra is, and Kanan corrects her, saying, "Now he thinks that Ezra actually knows what he's doing and is just taking a big risk risk to help the group, which was nice, given how much we've talked about how how often Ezra is too trusting. That the, at least Kanan knows in this case. Oh, he's um he's not quite as uh as, as stupid as people might think. He knows what he's doing, which was a, a nice thing to call out." Yeah. yeah, Ezra is learning, and that's been one of my biggest issues with the character is how frequently in recent and past seasons he runs off and does his own thing completely against common sense and against what his entire team says, and that's frustrated me a lot. Uh, but even though he still has that sort of rash character, I think he is learning to be a bit more discerning, to be a little bit more wise. Yeah. Yep. So they um, they they join their they they meld their minds, um, and uh, suddenly, you know, after after they get the the visions and they get the the important thing out of the way, um, the spirits of the Night Sisters rise up out of the altar, seeking the debt they are owed, uh, flesh and blood, and of course, that's when uh, <laughs> that's when Kanan and Sabine arrive, and they are. Immediately possessed by the Night Sisters, you'd think they'd be smarter than just to run right in. I don't know. You would think, but you never know. I can't say I'm overly surprised, unfortunately. Uh, this one kind of felt, in some ways, too easy. This whole final battle. Um, there is uh. You know, they're quickly possessed. And I actually, I did like how the the, the spirits are voiced by uh, Anna Graves, uh, who played Satine, and uh, Meredith Salinger, who played Barriss Offie in the Clone Wars. So it was nice to bring oh, that was, that was them nice. back. Yeah, I mean, they're not playing obviously those characters, but it's the same actresses, and so it's a nice connection there. But uh, Ezra and Maul fight Kanan and Sabine, and you can tell that Ezra is trying not to hurt Sabine. I'm not really sure Maul Maul doesn't want to. Um, I don't think he really cares about saving Kanan, uh, given that he all he was the one who blinded him. But he also knows that they can't defeat them uh, until they just run to the cave entrance and 
you know, as soon as they're outside of the cave, Kane and Speed can't actually follow them. And so that was almost too. I don't know. It it seemed kind of easy, right? Because as soon as they're outside of the cave, Maul's like, "Okay, let's uh let's leave. There's nothing you can do to save them." And... I thought that was a fairly obvious move too. Like, why would Maul ever do anything that Ezra wants him to do? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, he, 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 yeah, it was. He he would he would never do it, um, and and so well, at least Ezra knows. At least Ezra knows not to. Uh, to listen to Maul at this point. Uh, and so um, he, he quickly de- denies him and says, no, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to join you. Um, and I, I, you know, he, he just shoots Maul down, which was good, right? Because in the past, we see Ezra all too willing to join Maul. Mm-hmm. Well, I think as we were kind of talking about at the beginning, I think this is Ezra finally realizing that he can't trust Maul. Or probably, I guess, I guess he probably realized it before, but this is the first time he's gotten a chance to actually put it into action. Right. I, I do think, however, that the... Um, I do think what Ezra thinks of Maul matters to Maul, though. Otherwise, he would have just cut down uh, Kanan as soon as he became a threat. Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell it matters because... Maul is emotional when he leaves about trying to convince Ezra to come with him, trying to convince him to leave his friends behind, trying to convince him to join him. And when he doesn't, he doesn't just get cold and say, oh, okay, well, I can't manipulate this person into serving me. I'm just going to leave. Instead, he again brings up the brothers thing. Mm -hmm. And I think Maul just can't quite let go of the idea that Ezra can be like his next younger brother figure type. Well, yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting. It's almost like he's lonely. Yeah, and that's what I was going to bring know? up. It, it seems like because basically the Night Sisters and brothers are gone, he, I doubt he's the last Zabrak, but he seems like in that realm, he is the last one. And yes, he does appear to be lonely. Mm-hmm. Well, the the fascinating thing to me, though, is that the Night Sisters are, tr- the spirits are trying to, in theory, consume Maul and Ezra. Or whoever's around there, uh, when Maul is one of their 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 brothers, but the whole point is to rebuild the Night Sisters mm-hmm. by possessing flesh and blood. Um, so I don't know. It seems kind of like you wouldn't want to possess one of the last of your people, which is like find someone else to possess. <laughs> well, but uh-huh. and and in that case, that's why they ended up in the end. Until in the end, end they were they got uh, Kanan and Sabine. So yeah. Exactly. But in that case, exactly. it was too easy because really, do you really want to walk into a place when you've got Ezra saying, stay out? Uh, clearly, Sabine does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, Maul, Maul flies away. And, and this is where it was a it was a nice battle, but I feel like it happens very quickly. Right. Ezra returns to the cave. And he is immediately attacked by uh, by Sabine. Oh, sorry, Sabine's a team. They're very close. Um, uh who is wielding a dark saber. And she actually has this like even creepy, like ability to crawl along the wall, like a spider, which apparently yeah. the uh, spirit can, can do. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. That was uh, horrifying. Okay. Wait a minute. Yeah, I'm like, horrifying. Wow. But... I, guess, I guess being possessed by a spirit can let you do uh, crazy things like that too. Okay. But cool <laughs> at the same time. I'm sorry. It was horrifying, yeah. but cool at the same time. Yeah. It definitely was unnerving, which I think was kind yeah. of the idea. So yeah. Well, at least she didn't and... have her head spin, but, but it was, it was surprisingly easy. Cause all you had to do was like, walk over to the entrance and then force push her outside and the spirit like was basically ripped out of her and she was totally fine again. Mm-hmm. I really like that scene though. It was a uh, watching her try and crawl back, like crawl back. Yeah. It was just, it, it was very simple, but I thought it was just a really cool idea. And I thought that was creepier than having her on the side, like a, uh, walking a wall, like a spider. I thought that was creepier because she was really struggling to get back in and he just kept pushing her out, pushing her out, pushing her out. Yeah. Yep. No, it, it was definitely a, a creepy and, and kind of a cool moment. It seemed too easy, but like at the end of the day, like there were there were bigger issues and, and bigger things to worry about. They they can't wrap up. They can't fit everything into twenty two minutes, and so I don't mind. This was a little bit on the easy side. Uh, I mean, even the rest of it to go save Kanan, right? He he walked over to the altar, um, 
and Kanan's sitting there on the altar with again their their eyes are like glowing green and everything. And uh, the Night Sisters reveal their plan, like I mentioned earlier about having you know the Night Sisters rise again. Um, and Ezra, I guess this was a kind of an odd thing too. Ezra offers to pay the debt mm-hmm. and and let them possess himself if they'll let Kanan go, but instead Kanan attacks them. And after a brief battle, he talks to the spirits again, and this time they actually do leave Kanan for some reason. I'm not sure what changed. Yeah, I never, I didn't quite follow that either, especially because Ezra's then like, eh, never mind. Well, it was, it was never mind, but it was a thing to where once all of them got out, and I think even Kanan sat there and said, what are you doing? They're going to possess her. And he goes, well, that's, and Ezra's just like, well, that's the point. But right when it was supposed to, quote unquote, happen where they possess him, he used the light, the darksaber and the lightsaber to destroy the altar which by destroying the altar you now destroyed the apparitions the ghosts or whatever you want to call them of the night sisters right so do, do you think it's the last we'll see of the night sisters doubt it but then again you never know that was too quick of an answer i don't know i thought that the altar was our source of power yeah so that that's what makes me think that at least for a good long time we're not going to mm-hmm but this would be a nice way to wrap up if they want to get away from the Night Sisters story arc period, like they did with Asajj Ventress in um, uh, the book. This was a nice way to wrap up the storyline of the Night Sisters, and you don't have to address it again. Right, right. I'll, I'll be honest. I thought I could have sworn that Mother Talzin was going to come back in this episode. I thought so too because I, I know one of them looked like she was like kind of defeated but you never really like she she more just like faded out mm. right so it, it's very possible yeah. she's still out there yep that's how i interpreted it at least maybe yeah. maybe crazy but but no it was no mother talent just just generic night sisters which uh, begs the question of where mother talson is or where her spirit is was she actually defeated Abelot, she, sorry she, <laughs> 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 or is she running around Running around yeah. somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. I guess at some uh, point we'll find out. If not, like I said, this this was a this was a nice way to wrap up a story thread of the Night Sisters to where they really don't have to address it again because Ventress is gone. And in this case, if they consider what Ezra did, that story thread is now gone. And Sabine now has a dark saber, which was nice. I really liked seeing that. So I'm yeah. curious how this how this plays is is now just okay. It's great she has a lightsaber like thing now, or uh, is it going to be an even bigger plot point mm-hmm. coming up? Uh, there is there is an episode uh, episode uh, 15 of season three called Trials of the Dark Saber. Um, so. Who knows what that will entail? Yep. Are we good for reviews? Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. Tom, okay. you want to start? Um, okay. Uh, solid episode. I liked it. Um, still some questions when it comes to Bindu. Um, it was a good mid-season ending to jump off into the next half of the season. So I'm going to give this, I'm giving it, uh, I was going to give it a 6.5. I'm going to give it a seven. Um, I'm giving it a seven because Sabine actually walks out with that dark saber. And I almost grabbed my pre Visla action figure with the dark saber in hand, almost opened up my Sabine action figure and was going to take the dark saber out of his hand and put it in Sabine's. So, <laughs> Almost didn't do it, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to give it for, for a mid season ending episode. I'm giving it a seven. I am taking my seven womp rats and it was actually not the dark saber or the lightsaber that destroyed the altar of the night sisters. It was the seven womp rats that did it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So with a little help from Ezra. Oh, wait a minute. They were laying on the altar and Ezra destroyed it while they were laying there. However it happened. So Sacrificial womp rats? Thank you. There you go. <laughs> I, I, yeah. So sacrificial seven <laughs> womp rats. There you go. Steven? 
Oh, I think I think I'm going to have to give the episode six and a half Womp Rats out of ten. I did enjoy it, but I, like you kind of talked about at the beginning, I didn't feel like it actually added a lot to the story. We, I suppose our the characters learned uh, things they didn't know, but I feel like we didn't really. Um, and this really felt more like the setup to a really good episode than the really good episode itself, if that makes sense. Uh, so I'll have to give it six and a half out of ten Womp Rats. And uh, so when the altar kind of explodes at the end, you actually know, or before it explodes, you actually notice there are actually multiple uh, Night Sister spirits. And it turns out that uh, six and a half of them are actually uh, just taking over some Womp Rats that happen to be nearby. Too okay. funny. Oh, dear. And they've got the glowing green eyes and everything, and they're crawling over walls, and it's just, you know, ah! all around terrifying. <laughs> Can no. you can you imagine no. what a womp rat night sister would look like? I would really rather not. A bald tattooed womp rat with yeah. a bow. That sounds scary. That does. Yeah. <laughs> that really does. Uh, Bethany, yeah. would you like to go next? I would. Yes. Okay. Um, I did actually really enjoy this episode of Rebels. It kind of it kind of brought me in from a bit of a rebel's low for me where I Mm. I hadn't so much enjoyed some of the recent episodes and I was so busy with school that I fell behind with rebels a bit. I know, I know I'm a terrible fan. (laughs) No, 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 Um, no, 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 no. no. (laughs) Okay. It it happens. No one's a terrible fan. It does. But, uh, I was happy to catch up with this episode. Like I watched a couple of episodes. I had a little mini rebels binge today and ending with this episode, which immediately got me pulled back into the series and makes me think again that I loved the clone war so much. And I really do like it when they bring elements of the clone wars Mm -hmm. into rebels with these new characters that I've grown to love as well. So it reminded me that yes, I do love Rebels, and I'm excited about watching the rest of the season. Um, so this is a solid uh, six Womprats out of ten. These are the six who are left alive who of the ten who were minions of Darth Maul's, <laughs> um, and he tends to kill them off when he gets too frustrated in his search for Obi-Wan. Um, and there are only six left at this point. So is he killing them off by the different planets he visited, visits and Obi-Wan's not there? So, so far what you're saying is he's visited four planets and these six are the ones left over? That sounds pretty reasonable. Okay. Or whenever he's having a particularly bad day. Okay. I like that, the particularly bad day. <laughs> Poor Womp Prats. Yeah. Okay, William, you're, you're up. Yeah. Uh, well, um, you know... I I uh, it, I really the, my favorite thing about this episode was the fact that they they brought back the uh, the Night Sisters and the elements of the Clone Wars. Actually, mostly it's about the Clone Wars because even the Night Sisters themselves. Um, I love the whole the plot uh, with with Savage Press and um, and Maul and everything. The Night Sisters magic themselves. I'm more. Um, not don't dislike but i'm not like a huge fan of them more in the middle um but just the fact that it's this this major plot point from the clone wars that's kind of coming back and we get to see it again in rebels and we know what does this place look like in the, with the rebels animation style and the rebels um uh you know look and feel and everything uh and so that was nice and we got some good mall uh moments as well maul is super creepy uh and just fantastic um and so um i think it's uh i really enjoyed it and i i'm gonna give this uh uh, eight womp rats out of ten i think a little bit higher than everybody else i think there were definitely some things that i thought were either too easy uh like um how quickly they defeated the night sisters uh and um i had a couple uh and some of the other, some of the stuff we talked about earlier as well, just the fact that the episode, uh, as great as it was, felt like it. Um, you didn't really learn like the characters learned something new, but we didn't really learn quite as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a little bit confusing, like exactly how much the characters knew previously. Uh, so that's the only reason why it's not rated higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eight is, I think, still a good a good score, and I, okay. I definitely enjoyed the episode. Uh, it's a great way to cap off the season with with Maul, or the mid season with Maul, and when we return back uh, in January, 
hopefully we'll get some uh, some really exciting stuff. But in the meantime, in the meantime, <clears throat> we have uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story coming out this week. So uh, our uh, our spoiler free review is coming uh, in uh, just a few hours as uh, as we're recording this. Uh, we'll be publishing it tomorrow morning uh, at 9 a.m. So if you listen to this the night we put it up, uh, you'll uh, you'll you'll uh, you'll have to wait a little bit. Otherwise, it'll already be in your feeds. And uh, really excited. Uh, you know, I think everyone's excited about Rogue One, right? Mm-hmm. Very excited. Cannot wait to see it this week. Woo woo. So uh, it's it's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that that wraps up this episode. Uh, Bethany, thank you so much for you, joining us. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Oh yeah, we love having you on the show, and I uh, I appreciate you staying up late because we're rec- we're recording this pretty late uh, in the evening tonight. So uh, thanks for thanks for staying with us. <laughs> yes, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, again, thanks for having me. Um, and. Of course. Do you want to plug anything before we go? Uh, sure, sure. So um, I am at Bethany L. Blanton on Twitter, Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, so many different social medias, Snapchat, all of them, basically. Uh, but I do work with the Star Wars Report, uh, which is a website, podcast, and social media for all great things Star Wars. Uh, so head over to StarWarsReport.com for more information. And thanks again, guys, for having me on. Of course. Absolutely, anytime. We'll be back in uh, a few hours with our review of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncanoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on this show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2016.